Yeah, another week. Uh, dog days of summer are, are are coming to an end. The heat wave, unfortunately, has not come to an end. Uh, we're dealing with hundred degree days pretty much every every day down here in Houston, and 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 I think throughout the country we're dealing with a pretty pretty unbearable heat, kind of putting a damper on kind of uh, the last enjoyable days of, of summer. It's crazy that we're almost into fall. Yeah, literally. Already. It's. I mean. With the fall comes football season, which we've been excited for. I feel like this this abyss of time after the NBA playoffs end and um, all the way till football season starts is just like, what do you do all day? I went and saw a baseball game. That's like my one baseball game quota for the year. I'll go watch one in that weird month and a half when there's nothing to do. But now it's it's time, man. It's, it's August 8th as we're recording this. Today is... Um, you know, uh, interestingly enough, um, the eight eight is actually called the Lions Gate Portal, so it's like a spiritual day. But uh, also, like from a football standpoint, camps are starting, people are back, and uh, it's time, man. It's time to start getting hype for some Ohio State football this fall. Yeah, an interesting, interesting season upcoming. Uh, obviously, the uh, the largest. Uh, piece of information that came last week is essentially um the uh the the destruction of the Pac-12 conference um down to four teams it looks like that that conference will no longer be a part of um of college football moving forward with uh Oregon and uh and Washington moving to the Big 10 uh, I believe a couple schools, uh, Colorado um, and Utah, will be moving to the Big 12, um, just bringing the overall conference down to uh, four teams. I think it's Cal, uh, Stanford, Oregon State, uh, and I can't recall what the last team. Oh, yeah, Arizona uh, State are the four remaining schools in the Pac-12. Obviously, this created uh, um, a lot of dialogue. Uh, throughout college football um, and a conversation we've had throughout the last few years about the status of college football um, and the lines being blurred between um, for-profit and not-for-profit being an academics institution versus being a pro uh, sports franchise. And what the largest specter in the room has been um, the TV money and how that's impacted how that's impacted decision making and 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 probably um, clouded the judgment of many schools and many academics uh, institutions leaderships is the amount of money you get from being in a certain TV deal versus being in another TV deal, and that really is the reason why most of the schools are being driven uh, to the SEC and the Big Ten. Um, because of the magnitude of the TV money differential uh, and the influx of capital that will happen. <clears throat> now, the few remaining folks that, that, that do care about the student athlete 
um, are raising their hands, right? Because when you look at academic institutions and their sports programs, what we mostly see is what how the treatment is for the largest sports, which is college football. They are going to have chartered planes making the travel back and forth from the West Coast to the East Coast much easier. But the smaller sports, they still fly commercial to get from game to game. Balancing and juggling that with the, the, the standards and demands of being a student athlete, the student athlete performance in the classroom is, is going to suffer. The pressure that's going to be added to these smaller sports is going to be immeasurable. Um, and no one's answering those questions. They're only looking at the big dollar figure. And, you know, the old saying that money corrupts all um, seems to be pretty, pretty apparent here. And, and these institutions and the leadership are, are definitely looking the other way in terms of caring about what's best for the student athletes. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting time. I mean, I think um, just to jump back to what you were saying about the TV deals as well, like I think as a as a you know, growing up a Big Ten fan, like there's always been this feeling that, you know, I think we were second to the SEC in a lot of ways, especially when it came to college football. And uh, we have now this opportunity where um, I think honestly, because the Big 12 did a good job maneuvering, it set up the Big Ten in a really good way because we Big 12 was already losing Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. And it created an opportunity where they were recruiting. They pulled a f- the first domino from the Pac-12, which was Colorado. And that ultimately was like that one, you know, it's like Jenga, right? You pull that one and then the rest of it falls apart. I was really impressed that we got Oregon and Washington, because if you think of what big, big 12 football is, I don't even know or Big Ten, Big Ten football is. I don't even know what they're going to call it now. The big, the big conference. I don't know what they're going to call it with all these teams. But my point is that the Big Ten got noticeably and significantly better with the additions it made. Like you think about USC, UCLA last year. Now you're adding Oregon and Washington. This was the talent in the Pac-12. This was all of the talent in the Pac-12. And all of these teams, like on an annual basis, all four of those teams typically finish top 20, right? Like, or at least three of them do. So what it does for us from a calendar standpoint, I think is it sets up this, you know, I think up until now it's been two sec, one big 10 team and one pac 12 team in the playoff. But now it's going to be basically every year, two sec teams, two big 10 teams. Like there's, it's going to be a long time before there's a big 12 team in there, in my view. And I think that's, that's an interesting development. Yeah, obviously, you know, the, there's going to be multiple teams from every conference as a result of the, the expansion of the college football playoff, which is oh, yeah. another thing layer that these, these schools are adding to the, 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 the demands of these student athletes, um, and and the, the the playoff expansion is going to be an interesting one, but obviously this again is really about TV. This all comes back to TV, expanding the footprint of the Big Ten Network and the partnership with Fox and CBS to get into those local TV markets, specifically having a, a lock on the Los Angeles market, um, as well as as well as the Oregon and and uh, Washington Seattle based markets. 
that is going to lead to more money from the TV deals. And that is what's driving this. As far as competitive balance, I am not so sure about this because if you look at the style of play um, in the Big Ten versus the Pac-12, it's going to be significant. You're looking at significant differences. In addition to that, the climate come November, December, and how the teams like USC and UCLA will, will deal with that. There's going to definitely be a change um, in that dynamic. Now, we do see over the years, we've seen a lot of cross, uh, cross-conference cross rivalries. Ohio State has played a lot of these teams in home-and-home matchups, uh, including most recently Oregon um, and Washington. Um, we've had those series against those teams. Um, but it will be interesting because um, the other thing that's happening here is there's a cap on the number of protected rivalry games. Um, and so we're getting close to that cap now protecting the USC, uh, U- UCLA game and the Oregon and, uh, Washington game now has reached that cap. So any additional additions now, we're going to have to start looking at some of these rivalry games, you know, is, is the future of Ohio state, Michigan going to be secured is the future of USC UCLA going to be secure or is there going to be more changes here? Um, And I just think that this is the wrong model um, because to have a 16 team conference, all the teams aren't going to be playing each other anymore uh, every year. So you don't really know who the best team is. Let's say uh, USC and, and uh, Ohio state don't play each other and both teams go undefeated. You've got two undefeated teams in the same conference. You know, I don't know how the divisions are going to change in terms of, you know, West versus East. To that point, didn't we just lose divisions in the Big Ten? Yeah, I think the divisions just ended too. So it's going to be very interesting. I don't know if we're going to, you know, what's going to happen with championship games. There's a lot of uncertainty here, you know, and we can talk about the business and, the football side of this, but the truth is this affects more than football. These are decisions made for football, but the impact on the rest of the sports, you know, are they going to be able to continue to field all of these different sports um, and the impact, you know, and, and we've, we've both been in airports and seen, you know, the LSU softball team running through the airport, trying to make their flight. They don't get the benefits of flying, flying, uh, uh, flying charter planes where they, the bus arrives and they get on the plane. They have to deal with flight delays. They have to deal with all of the things that impact normal travel. And when you're talking about cross-country travel, cross-time zone travel, it's very clear that they're not being considerate of, of the student athlete at all. And that's, that's really the conversation that needs to be had. Is this still amateur athletics? And I think the answer is resoundingly no. And how do we adjust for the fact that it no longer yeah, is? Yeah, you're that? right. I mean, it's, de- it's definitely not, definitely not amateur. But, you know, that being said, I, th- I think if you take Illinois and Minnesota off our schedule and you put USC and Washington in there, I'm a happy guy. That's a much better season of football to watch. I'm like, I'm so tired of the bottom half of the Big Ten not being able to come out of the doldrums of basically like having to recruit against Ohio State and Michigan all the time. 
You know what I'm saying? Like this, I, I think this is, I mean, we talk about recruiting markets, we talk about media markets, but I think this is such an amazing opportunity for us to be able to elevate the quality of playing the big 10 as well. Like for me, a concern has been over the last, you know, several years that Ohio state and Michigan, whenever we come to the playoff, it's, it's usually a little bit disappointing. The performance we put up, we've had our championship in 14, um, in, I think that was like the, the first, one of the first playoffs, but it was like, since then, every, every appearance we've made has been a disappointing appearance. And like, for me, it's always felt like we didn't have the same kind of mental toughness as the sec because they have harder games. They have harder games all year. And so like from a quality of play and from like a winningness of the big 10 standpoint, I think that's what excites me the most is like having this, having this potential of like, okay, like whoever gets there from the big 10 is going to be a lot better than any of these teams were prior to all these changes. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, (laughs) we may see one of two things, right? When the teams get better or teams get exposed, (laughs) right? I've always thought that the, the PAC 12 and the big 12 in the last few years have been significantly worse conferences. And you see that typically play out in the college play football playoff. These teams do not perform well in those scenarios. Right. And so we might see these four schools that are elite schools in the PAC 12 come to the big 10 and get exposed as nothing more than kind of average big 10 conference team. So it's definitely an interesting decision that these schools are making. Um, but I think from a recruiting standpoint, it also creates unique challenges for schools that recruit nationally like Ohio State. Now they're competing directly in conference with USC. So what's going to happen for the California talent? Is is that talent going to be even more attracted to a school like Ohio State versus a USC? Or is the opposite effect going to happen now that USC and UCLA are in the big conference? Is that going to make it more challenging for the Ohio State's, Michigan's, Penn States that do recruit nationally to be able to get get this out of state yeah. talent. Yeah, that's I mean, that's a great point too, is how how will it affect the mind of a sixteen year old kid who's making their commitment? Like, do they just want to play on the big stage and and stay local? And if so, like maybe USC is gonna win out in this. Maybe UCLA is gonna win out in a major way. Like to your point, it, this could be something that allows schools to keep talent locally because they'll still give them the opportunities to shine on the national stage that they may not have been able to like a UCLA player was not going to get national attention to the degree of their performance. Like that just, it's just how it is. Cause they're not playing at a, at a, you know, blue chip school power five. But, um, you know, now that, now that we're, um, in this new era, man, like it's exciting. I want college football to go to two divisions. I want the North versus the South. And I think we should just replay the civil war. <laughs> Every so year. Funny. That's so funny. I mean, I mean, it looks like the SEC is not looking to move to West Coast teams. But what's going to be interesting, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Stanford and Cal specifically. They support a lot of a lot of sports and they're very good at a lot of the kind of ancillary sports that don't get the TV coverage uh, that football gets. But, you know, and this might be a this might be a, a, a this part of the conversation might ruffle people a little bit the wrong way. But if we are moving to this and it is a for-profit situation and all of this money is being driven by football specifically, 
You know, do the universities need to look at all these other sports that are running at losses and say, hey, this doesn't make sense for us anymore to offer all these scholarships, have all these other sports that cost all this money uh, when they're all being funded by the one sport that makes money. If we are moving to a capitalist model here, do we have to move to a capitalist model, right? That's that's the other question here. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, we're going to make this con- this this is all about the money um, and then not make it all about the money, right? Like that's where I'm, you know, I know this conversation might be a little troubling, but that's the reality of the difference of how you operate a for-profit business versus a not-for-profit academic institution, right? You have to make these hard decisions on line items of, is this generating revenue? Is this profitable? Is this generating positive brand equity? And is it, or is it not? And that's something that I think also is scary for the rest of these sports, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, and I mean, let me make the even more controversial point. Should being at a good at a sport be a qualification to get into a university? <laughs> That never made sense to me. Well, it makes sense when you're generating millions of dollars for the institution, from, right? From to, that to perspective, fund, to fund the front fund the academic to fund the academic institution. That's really what the yeah, argument but, is. But if you're right? going to take it, but if you're not, if you're not, if you're not generating that money, then why are you? Why is it costing? Because that's increasing the cost for everybody who actually has to pay for college. Why are there scholarships for uh, badminton and cheerleading and fencing um, that are covered? That are covered. Why right? are like, there? I mean, why and, are and this? Is the, this is a good question. Why are there? Because they're not contributing back. They're only costs on someone else, and it's just for this like idea of equal treatment. But it's not equal treatment. It's clearly not equal treatment because they're being funded and subsidized by by one sport, right? And this is this is the problem that the NCAA and these conferences and academic institutions are creating for themselves is the hypocrisy of it all, right? And it's like they keep all these sports because they don't want to have the controversy attached to showing their their hand, but look, if it's not benefiting the institution, in the spirit of the university, then we need to reconsider this. And this is the overall kind of hidden flaw in, in, in what's happening in America is that we feel an obligation to pay for a lot of these things. Um, but then it, it, it operates in direct contrast to how the people in power are operating, which is what they, what they care about versus, okay, let's keep fencing around so we don't look yeah. too bad. You know what I mean? But, That's what, but what also this is about. like a lot of sports, <laughs> like, you know, let's say fencing or let's say, you know, swim, for example, like there's a lot of these sports that have great athletes. And then there's a lot of them that are used to get rich people's kids into the school. So like, that's the, yep. that's the other thing like folks don't want to talk about is like the reason that there's so many scholarships for sports that don't get eyeballs is because they need teams to put people on who, you know, their parents made a big donation and that kid might be on their high school varsity swim and might have no ability to compete at the collegiate level, but they just need a way to get them in. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's actually smart strategy for parents with slightly above average athletic 
kids to focus on getting <laughs> getting into something like cheerleading or fencing. Although cheerleading does cheerleading is pretty, tough. A lot of athleticism. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. That I don't fencing want to take is that a granted, more reasonable so. one because the the quality of athletes <laughs> in fencing is poor. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of these sports that just don't, you know, and that this is this is the Pandora's box that that these universities and these institutions are opening up by making these decisions because now it's very clear that you're not making decisions based on amateur athletes. You're making decisions based on the same way a professional sports organization would. So now it's going to carry on down the line. It's going to be very interesting to see how they answer these questions because there's also, like you said, the reality of, is it, is it worth the strain on a student athlete in the, who, who's in fencing to have to travel from, from Oregon to Rutgers for a fencing match and then travel back and make their classes yeah you know what i well, mean and, and for a lot of these sports like fencing i'll say specifically because like baseball softball i think are the ones that deal with this the most and maybe volleyball as well but like a fencing for example it's yeah. a tournament-based sport so i don't think there's any okay. change i don't know yeah there's not a lot of change for most of the sports especially the individualistic ones because they're tournament based but like tennis for example it's not like there. sometimes yeah. they'll do matches but like it's mostly tournament based but where I think it's like really, really interesting is like baseball, softball, right? Like, I don't know if you yeah. watched the OU softball team this year in the, in the women's team in the collegiate world series, but like they're, they're selling out to a ridiculous extent. And there was all this controversy because the OU team has now won like several years in a row. I think they lost one game in the last three years or something. It's like ridiculous how good they are. And not, none of the, none of the talented players are leaving. They're all going there. But the reason they're going there is because it's the only program that has attendance that sells out the arena. They sell out like 15, 20,000 people at, at their games, especially during the world series. So like, this is something where there's like a really supportive ecosystem. And there was controversy because people were saying, well, the world series location is too close to Oklahoma's campus. And they're like, well, there's actually nowhere else in the country that people have actually built a softball stadium. This is the only softball stadium. So yeah. it's like a lot of these sports yeah. are still in that stage where like there's not market saturation. There is like a huge variance in terms of the resources available based on where the funds are. And it does make you ask the question like, is this the right model or should you let the NCAA dissolve and have a, foot, a college football league that's separate from the college softball league, right? Like, why is this all under the NCAA? Shouldn't each sport have its own governing body at that level? Definitely. I mean, and the, the, it's, it's, it's very interesting too, right? Because, you know, even across divisions, like in some of these smaller sports, some of the smaller schools are better um, than the larger institutions. And, you know, there are a lot... This is open, like I said, this is opening a, a Pandora's box. And I think this is the problem that I think happens a lot with folks in general is that money is great, right? More money is, is great, but money is always, there's always a price attached to that dollar figure that I don't think is thought about before that those dollars come in. It's always reactionary. We're always back solving the problems that come and the collateral dam damage that comes with making some of these decisions, right? 
And sometimes you need to understand the size and scope of your business, right? Like it's, 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 it's one of the hardest things managing growth, right? We talk about it in, in entrepreneurship and small businesses. It's real easy to run a business when you're, you know, when you're, you're making $10,000 a month, but then when you go to 10,000 to a hundred thousand and then a hundred thousand to a million, those decisions become harder. And I think that that's what's happening here is that we're not thinking through the prop solving the problems that come with growth um, financially. And I, and I think that's, that's what ultimately um, is going to be where the rubber meets the road with this eventually. Like we're just expect any team that wants to come, we're going to take, but it's like, okay, it's more TV money. Okay. Okay. When, when, when the mental health suffers of student athletes, when the suicide rate potentially goes up amongst athletes, are you thinking through these things? No, you're not. You're not. You know. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how. how yeah, it all absolutely plays out. agree with you, bro. Absolutely agree. Well, I mean, I think um, you know overall, like it does change the way that people are mentally looking at the sport as well. I think it'll change a lot in terms of fandoms and like. I mean, I'll tell you, like from from the standpoint of being a Midwesterner who doesn't live in the Midwest. I, I don't know if you'll feel this as much, but I definitely will being in being in LA. Um, it's nice to have Midwest energy out here now, now that we're part of the big conference. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we'll see. It's it's definitely a culture yeah. conflict. It's a huge culture conflict if you look at the four teams that have come in uh to the conference. Um but I, I do think uh you'll see too. I mean You've you've been at UCLA and USC. The challenge that all the LA teams have is if they're not good, they're wearing an angel shirt right now. If they didn't have Otani right now, nobody would be going. That, to the that's games, why I went. Was, right, I would never go to an Angels game, bro. Yeah, and it, at USC, UCLA, you know, you see on TV these stadiums are half yeah. empty. You know, most of the time. We'll see if there's an impact here in terms of the culture in LA for athletics. Um, it's only, it seems like the, they only care when teams are really, really it, and good. It'll be different. The potential to win, win it'll be champion. different when the yeah. number one team in the country is coming to LA to play. It'll be different when the number two team yeah. is coming to play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you'll be filled with all those stadiums. I, I went to a Cal game when we played Cal. Uh, and 70% of the stadium was, that's how how it's going to be. It's going to be all the ones that live here that go to the bars on the weekend that are waiting for actual good football to be here. And and folks who live in the Midwest who want to get a escape for a weekend to LA and get LA weather in, in, in October, November, which is. So, I mean, from, from a football perspective, this is, this is definitely exciting. Um, but there are a lot of other questions that, you know, are being swept under the rug, um, which you understand happens all the time. This is no different than how society operates in any other way. So I'm not trying to make any sort of grand, uh, grand statement here, but it's, it's very interesting specifically in this scenario because you're talking about um, that what they've always talked about in terms of even paying athletes is preserving the sanctity of amateur athletics and that's completely out the window. There is no sanctity. There is no amateur athletics anymore. A hundred percent. Well, man, um, 
it's been a, a great kind of breakdown. I got to I'm I'm I got to jump over here. I'm getting kicked out of my conference room. So it brings us to the end of uh, end of this uh, this red eye episode. Um, we're getting pretty close to having Zach back. Right. Is it next week or the week after we'll bring him back? Yeah, we'll have him. We'll have him back soon. Um, hopefully in the next week or two. Uh, and we'll do a college football preview. Awesome. Well, uh, on that note, everyone remember to stay moving and be you. You as fly.